Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I tried, you know, eating foods that were baked, not fried, uh, not snacking between meals. I tried exercising 30 minutes a day. And I would do that for months at a time. Like six months was my longest. And I lost maybe 10 pounds. And so it was frustrating. I'd get back into my old habits because it wasn't working and repeat <laughs> later on because I let society tell me that it was my problem and I had to fix it. And I let that in. I figured that I got to where I was myself. I had to solve it myself. Today's episode is a special one. And I think it's one that many people will be able to relate to. And that's why I'm so excited to share this. I had the privilege of diving into an inspiring weight loss journey of my coworker and my guest, Laura Harless. Laura's story is one that many of us can relate to, myself included. She struggled with her weight her entire life. She faced physical limitations and some social isolation. But it wasn't until she reached a breaking point that she decided to take control of her health. So in this episode, Laura takes us on a journey through her experience growing up, the impact of societal pressures on body image, and the emotional toll of bullying. She shares with us how she found the courage to push through her limiting beliefs and take small steps towards self-acceptance and self-love. We also dive into the importance of finding a support system and how Laura's family and friends played a crucial role in her journey towards a healthier lifestyle. She talks about the challenges she faced along the way and how she overcame them one day at a time. Her story is a testament to the power of perseverance and the impact of small changes. Her journey towards a healthier and happier life can be an inspiration to us all. This episode is supported by my Patreon members. And this week, I'd like to shout out everyone on this episode. So thank you to Brian, Olivia, Wiley, Bridget, John, Pamela, Dream Vacations, Natisha, Chris, Noelani, Heather, Mickey, Marissa, Jason, Stephanie, Kathy, Emily, another Brian, Rebecca, Tracy, and Sari. Thank you all so much. If you want to join the Patreon community, please head to www thelifeshiftpodcast.com forward slash join. And you can find out more about the different tiers and enter yourself in the t-shirt giveaway. And I'll be so ever grateful. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Laura Harless. I'm Mackil Hooley, and this is The Life Shift. Candid conversations about the pivotal moments that have changed lives forever. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Life Shift Podcast. I am here with a longtime co-worker and hopefully new friend, Laura. Hey, Laura. Hi. How's it going? It's great. And I'm so happy to have you here. And we've known each other for a long time because we work in the same college here in Orlando, but we've never really had much more than a, a couple sentence conversation. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Um, I think I've seen you in passing a lot, but I don't think we've actually stopped and actually had a conversation. Yeah, so we work at we work at a school here in Orlando, and it has a lot of employees. And at one point in time, we were all in the same building, or we were all in in crowded buildings before in the before times. And so that's kind of when I saw you, and I would see you walking around, which is part of your story. And I'm really happy that you want to come on this conversation journey with me and talk about your life shift moment because I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. I don't think that 
you're unique in your story and not in a negative way, but in a, in a sense that you have a human experience that I think a lot of people can relate to and maybe be inspired by if they feel that they're in the, the earlier version of Laura experience. So just thank you for being willing to come on and, and have a chat about it. Yes, I, I, I love sharing my story for that particular reason. I know there's a lot of people who are struggling with the same things I struggled with. And just knowing that my story is possible kind of, I find, helps people to get motivated and uh, kind of lights that fire, I think. I, I agree. I I didn't know if I really knew this when I started the podcast, but looking back on my life and and growing up after my mom died, I felt very alone in the experience. I think logically I knew I wasn't the only person who had a mom die, right? Like it wasn't, that wasn't unique to me, but I did feel very alone in that experience. And so by sharing these stories and hearing from people behind the scenes saying, wow, what Laura said in, in that episode, it just hit me right today. You know, it was like the right time, right place. And that's always been my goal is that each episode finds those ears that needed to hear it on that particular day, you know, and then everything kind of feels less alone in the experience that they're going through. Yeah. And I, I, the same thing, like when I was growing up, it, it, felt like I was kind of the only one experiencing this. And I knew better. <laughs> it's like, I definitely knew better, but you can't help but internalize it sometimes. And the more you internalize it, the harder it gets and the harder the habits and things get to break. And, and so finding somebody out there that you can connect with sometimes is just enough to say, Hey, I'm not alone. I can, I can definitely do this. So yeah, that is the main reason I share my story. The power of storytelling is strong like on all sides, right? Like I'm sure you were empowered by by sharing your story as well. Yes, absolutely. And I share my story often because of that. It also helps keep me motivated. You know, my story is one that needs continual motivation. Like I need to stay motivated to keep my journey going. And so sharing my story helps with that. It does definitely give confidence because you get the, the comments later that, oh, this is exactly what I needed. I can't believe you know you came into my life at the right moment. Those are very powerful statements. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's amazing. So bef- let's not hold out any longer. Maybe you can kind of paint the picture of what your life was like leading up to this, this specific pivotal moment that really changed everything for you. Just kind of paint that picture for us. Well, it was interesting in the fact that I've struggled with weight my entire life. Uh, I started gaining weight when I was five. And didn't stop. Like my metabolism was just messed up basically. And I didn't know how to eat for my body. And when I was little, I was very active. I didn't fit, you know, those stereotypes of just sitting on the couch eating and playing video games or whatever. I mean, I was an 80s child, so we didn't have much of that. (laughs) Plus I was poor. (laughs) Like I had nothing. So I was outside playing all the time and like barely eating. And I would still gain weight. And when I was a teenager, my appetite increased, my energy level went down because I wasn't eating the best foods and my weight shot up. And I probably weighed about 250 when I graduated high school. Not the best school experience ever for me. I was bullied, I was teased. Even a fourth grade teacher actually came to me and was like, yeah, you watch out, you might break the swings down. We were talking about internalizing stuff and I internalized that. I never told my mom, I never told anybody that I was bullied to the extent that I was. And I didn't want to go to school. I absolutely hated school. I loved learning, hated going to school. In my adult years, it was jobs. And I could tell I got turned down from some jobs because of my weight. And it was, it wasn't as bad in my 20s. I felt it. But not to the extent I did. It's almost like when I reached 30, it was like, boom, you feel everything now. So I know I was over 300 at the time. I didn't weigh myself, but I knew I was over 300. It started to take its toll on my body. And then, you know, my (laughs) social life was next to nothing. I just, I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to do anything because it felt like I didn't fit. And so it was, it was a, very tough kind of thing. People who knew me back then thought that I was the most confident person ever. Like I could fake it really well. 
but I didn't feel it. I've been confident in who I am on the inside forever. Like that probably saved me from developing eating disorders, things like that. I've always been confident in who I am, but the outside, that was where I had zero confidence. And I just felt like I couldn't fit. I mean, even the place we work, the chairs that are there, I had trouble fitting in the chairs, like the the silver ones that they have out there. It hurt. And so I, I could not sit in chairs. And so I would go home, go to work, end of story. So it was it was very tough for me at that point. And growing up, I mean, you mentioned bullying, and you also just mentioned that the confidence that you had in yourself allowed you to avoid disordered eating of some capacity. And so looking back at this now, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Is is most of of that journey of weight gain that's like a health related thing or something in your metabolism or what in your genetic makeup that was that was creating that I know you mentioned like you ate a little bit more maybe in your teen years because probably hormones and and things like that probably contribute to to the hunger aspect but you you didn't gain any disordered eating issues through all that journey just it was just like a a weight gain yeah and thankfully I yeah I, I didn't have I'm not a stress eater I'm not, I mean, the most I had was being bored. Like, you know, it was like I'd bored, so I'd go get a bag of chips or something. That was like the, the most I had, thankfully. Uh, I had a lot of tragedy in my childhood as well. I had a death of a parent very early. Um, my father died when I was 12. And my house burned down like a month and a half before that. And so there was a lot of tragedy in my, my early life as well. But thankfully, I didn't have that idea of comfort eating. If I did, <laughs> I would have been really, really out of control. But I didn't have that, thankfully. I had other avenues. Entertainment was my my relief and my way of dealing. Yeah, so there was a lot of tragedy there as well. So it wasn't that that caused the weight gain. It was just not knowing how to eat for my body. And I tried everything that I thought was healthy. I tried you know, eating foods that were baked, not fried, uh, not snacking between meals. I tried exercising 30 minutes a day. And I would do that for months at a time. Like six months was my longest and I lost maybe 10 pounds. And so it was frustrating. I'd get back into my old habits because it wasn't working and repeat <laughs> later on because I let society tell me that it was my problem and I had to fix it. And I let that in. I figured that I got to where I was myself. I had to solve it myself. Interesting. I think it's interesting too to just point out that I think people make assumptions about people and their weight gain that people are doing this because, you know, they're grabbing 15 bags of Doritos and just having having a field day. And so I think this story, your story, even for me is opening my eyes a little bit in the sense that sometimes people are doing all they can to avoid it and yet it still comes and it's kind of like any other disease of some sort, right? And that you can't prevent this coming unless you're you're attacking it in the way that your body or your DNA or whatever is is needing, right? And so it's very interesting to hear that because I think people, especially Americans, I would say that we make this assumption, I'm general we, not you and I, but we make this assumption that people are just letting themselves go. And it sounds like your story was not this. You were well aware of what was happening and you were trying things that society was telling you to do. Is that true? That is absolutely true. Yes. Uh, I was trying, you know, because when, especially growing up in the 80s, you grow up with the food pyramid and this is what you need to do to, to keep a healthy weight. And which, yeah, which we know is, you know, not quite <laughs> it these days. And I was doing all of that. I was doing everything that they said to do. Now, granted, you know, it wasn't all the time because I would try for, you know, months at a time. And then when that didn't work, I would go back to my old eating habits, which weren't that bad. It's just I wasn't eating the right kinds of foods. I wasn't eating out 24-7. Like I said, we, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. And so it's not like I could just go out and buy stuff all the time. But and like even when I was going to school, I couldn't eat breakfast. It made me sick. Like it was too early in the morning. I've never been a morning person. 
And so it would make me nauseous. I hate mornings. I always have been. And I just, I can't. Like if it's before 10 or 11 o'clock, you know, forget that. Of course, I've gotten a little earlier now because I have a, a, a puppy who gets me up. But it was, I couldn't eat breakfast. So I would have school lunch, which, you know, pizza is on the books as a vegetable. So the school lunches <laughs> were not that great. But I would eat school lunch. I would come home, eat dinner in front of my favorite television show, which lasted all of like an hour, I think. And then I was outside playing. Like that was, and I maybe had a little bit of snack before I went to bed, but it wasn't anything outrageous. And so I was maybe getting three meals a day, but a little bit later in the day and still my weight shot up. And I was, I played basketball. I rode my bike. I jumped rope, which was my favorite pastime. I love jump rope. I was doing all of this when I was little and still gained weight. You know, and it's interesting too, as I kind of attach, I mentioned before we started recording that I've faced disordered eating throughout my life. And I think a lot of it stems to my own childhood trauma. And when my mom died, I felt that I needed to control everything and I needed to make sure everyone else felt fine. And that, and so I think part of the, the wave of disordered eating things that I've gone through in my life come from that trauma. So it's so interesting to hear that you also had trauma early on, but not attached to that and not, you know, and, and here I go again, saying like, this would, my brain would attach those things. And so like the disconnect is like, wow, it's, it's fascinating to me how people can go through the same things, but everything, we face it differently. And it's, it's fascinating. I had a lot of death in my early years. My, my, I said, my father died when I was 12. That wasn't the, even the first funeral I'd been to by the time I was 12. I'd been through at least two or three funerals before that. I had a half brother who passed away um, when he was 25, actually due to a lot to weight issues. <laughs> my grandmother passed, like there's been a lot of death in my history. It was something that uh, I, I guess I could say, uh, thankfully, I don't know if that's the right term that I got comfortable with because yeah, because I get it. You know, I knew it was going to happen. I knew, you know, this happens. This is a part of life. It didn't make it easy, but it made it easier in a way to experience that grief, understand it, and then get past it. I also have, you know, an amazing support system with my mom. And she's amazing. We kind of went through it together. So she she was my rock. I was hers kind of thing. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, you, you, you briefly mentioned you, the terrible thing that your fourth grade teacher said to you and how you internalized that. I was wondering, you said you were bullied. So were family members, were they supportive or were they also contributing to, to this as well? I remember being like, one summer I gained 40 pounds. I was like 12 and I was on a vacation. I was visiting my family back up North and I came home and the people around me were like, what happened to you? And I, and I don't think they meant it. Like, I don't think they meant to be mean. I don't think they meant for it to scar me still in my forties that I think about that. And I think that triggered a lot of disordered eating after that. But did you experience any of that of the people around you? Or was your mom always like the rock and just like knew you were trying to do the best you could? The people around me were very supportive because a lot of my family has weight issues as well. And so there, I didn't have an idea of weight until I went to school. That was when I first started noticing that there was hardly anybody that looked like me. You know, back when I went to school, like weight wasn't as big of an issue as it is now. And so there were, there were maybe two or three kids in my class that, that looked like me. Everybody else was very small and, and you know, all of that. But so I didn't have a sense of my weight until I went to school. My family was very supportive. They never mentioned it. They never talked about it. They didn't do it in a negative way at all. And I think it's because they, you know, struggled with a lot of the same issues. So they kind of knew uh, how it felt. And so I, I didn't have that. Uh, growing up until I went to school. <laughs> and that was when it, it hit. Did you, when you were in your 20s and and kind of in college and whatnot, 
because I'm guessing, you know, that was around the time when social media was starting a little bit and magazines and things. Was society playing any role in your head? Oh, yes. Huge role. Growing up in the 80s, and I keep mentioning that, but 80s children, we had <laughs> we had so much going on. If you notice, like when you look in the media and when you watch shows, and especially the shows that I was watching, like those teenage shows like Saved by the Bell and things like that, you see the heavy friend and she's always the one to be avoided. She's always wearing glasses, which I wore glasses uh, when I was younger. And she's always the one that the lead guy gets set up with because the more attractive female, classically, is the one that he wants to be with, but he's trying to get with her. And so he gets with the more unattractive friend, which is usually the heavier set girl. And she's always the one to be avoided. She's always standing there at a buffet table, like shoving food in her mouth. I mean, this is the mental picture I had of myself, because this is what was projected in the media. When I would listen to radio. Show. I, I recall this one moment very clearly when I was listening to a radio show when I first moved to Florida. The DJ on the show was saying that he doesn't like to go out to restaurants because overweight people gross him out when they're eating. And it just went into this whole thing. And I'm like, I'm sitting there internalizing all of this still. It's going into my self-esteem. And, you know, in the back of your head, you know, that that's not the way it should be. That's not how it is. You have to love yourself no matter what. But that little voice gets drowned out by everything else. And when the majority of the media that you see and hear tells you that you should be ashamed of how you look, whether it's to sell a product, whether it's because of stereotypes, whatever it is, the majority is telling you you should be ashamed of the way you look. It's hard to listen to that little voice that says, no, they're wrong, you're right. Yeah, and and then, then add the complexity of your own circumstance in which you were not doing these things that were being epitomized and, you know, like that were being shown in these TV. You weren't standing at the buffet table shoving, you know, a full box of donuts. And, you're, you know, like you weren't doing these things. And so you add this like, but that's not me. But now they're telling me that's me. I can't imagine what that does to like, you know, a teenager or a 20-something year old or even just a kid, just all the the baggage that comes along with that. If like I'm not, I'm not, trying not to put words in your mouth or anyone's mouth, but I can imagine thinking, well, I'm not worthy of XYZ because this is how I'm being portrayed everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you almost start to buy into it you almost start to think that this this is how it is. This is what it's supposed to be. I think a lot of people do that even to this day. You know, you're not, you're not fit, so therefore you're not good enough yet. You know, and we buy into this. And they count on that. I mean, as an industry, they count on you doing that, especially like the beauty industry and, and things like that. They count on that. And it's, it's a hard thing to fight against. It's absolutely, it's fighting an uphill battle to, to even just be comfortable with who you are. And I mean, I'm glad the body positivity movement is something that happens. And I'm glad that that's out there because that might've actually been a lifesaver for me when I was little, had that been a thing. And unfortunately it wasn't at the time. And I wish at the time I could have saw the beauty that was there I looked back at the pictures of me in high school and I'm like, I was cute. Like I was really cute back then, but I could not see it at all when I was living it. And that was, I mean, that's the tough part. And society does not help that at all. Still, I mean, to this day, I know, yes, there are more body positivity pieces, but I think we have a long way to go. So you know, you said that at one point you knew you were up to 300 pounds, but you hadn't weighed yourself. Like what, what got you to that change? What was that moment in, in your journey that we were like, okay, I'm going to try something new. There were, you know, a couple of things. One of the things was, you know, not being able to participate in a lot of entertainment things that I wanted to do. I went to an amusement park and one of the rides, you know, it says built for certain upper body proportions. 
And I went on the ride thinking I wouldn't have any issues. I never had issues before. Even though I was heavier, I know, you know, I didn't think I would have an issue. I got on the ride. I got in a regular size seat, couldn't fit. And so they took me off the ride, which was, you know, shameful enough for me. I was like, wanted to kind of crawl up in a ball. And they were like, we have seats for, for bigger people. So we'll wait until the next car comes. So they wait until the next car comes. I got into that seat. I got into it, but they had to shove me in. Like they had to shove the thing down and like the guy was putting his foot on it and shoving me in. And of course it ruined the ride experience for me. It ruined everything. And I promised myself that I would not go back until I could ride every single ride and not have to worry about that. And that was a major turning point, although it didn't quite get me to, I, I call it hitting my wall. And I call it that because when I hit my wall, I ran out of excuses. I ran out of, I can't do this because of this. I can't do this. I can't do that. I ran out of those. And it was almost like overnight. I had decided overnight, almost overnight, that's like, okay, I need help. I absolutely need help. There's no way I can do this on my own. I've tried it over the years. I need to do this. And as soon as I made that decision, as soon as I it clicked in my head, it was almost like things just ran smoothly after that. And it was like it fell in place, like it was meant to happen this way. I woke up, literally woke up, got on the internet, searched for doctors that specialized in weight loss, found one literally a block from my house, called. And she's like, yeah, we had somebody cancel. I think I called on a Monday and she's like, we had somebody cancel for Thursday. And if not, then you'll have to wait until August. This was June of 2009. And I was like, yeah, give me Thursday. <laughs> because I knew if I waited until August, I would talk myself out of it. Lots of excuses could come up. Yes. So went, the doctor did not offer any kind of like medication, didn't, because I didn't want medication. I didn't want weight loss surgery. I knew people that went through weight loss surgery and gained it back. I knew I needed to change my life. And so I was like, this is what I'm looking for. And she's like, okay, we have a plan. I've had some success with the plan. Let's try this. And if this doesn't work, we'll go to plan B. I was like, cool. Looked at the plan, got home, threw out all of the food that didn't fit that plan, went shopping, started it that day. I didn't wait until Monday because usually when we say we're going to start a diet, we're going to wait until Monday. I was like, no. I've had 30 some odd years of my life to eat what I wanted. This is where it got me. I started the plan that day, started exercising that day, and I lost 224 pounds in 22 months. Wow. My highest weight when I weighed in at the doctor was 376 pounds. 224. Yes. 224 pounds in 22 months. And not using medication, not any special surgeries, just... Nope finding what worked for your specific body and your genetic makeup mm -hmm. and what you needed to do. Do you think back to that, that night that you went to bed, was there anything, can you, do you think there was anything that like triggered you to like, that was the final straw? I don't think other than again, just kind of internalizing everything and thinking back, which I would do occasionally, I would think back on my life and wonder how it is. I got here and it just, that thought process just kept going in my head. And I think that particular night it was like, I'm done with this. I'm done thinking back. I'm done wondering how it could be if I'm done. And I didn't have the excuse of, well, I don't have time to do this or I can't do this because blah, 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 whatever the excuse was. I was like, none of those excuses work for me right now. None of them. Like nothing is more important right now than my health. And my health is, you know, my health was starting to deteriorate. I couldn't walk upstairs where we work. One of the buildings, there's a, a staircase and I would have to walk up that staircase to go to class and the halls echo. And I could hear myself breathing so heavy because of walking up a staircase. And it's like, it's not even a big staircase. And so I was starting to get overheated more. And so my health was definitely starting to deteriorate. And, you know, having my brother pass away of, uh, he had an enlarged heart. 
but he also had a heart attack due to the fact he was over 400 pounds. And I saw myself in that. And again, media plays a huge part in my life. There was a movie, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? The woman in there was actually about the same size as me, or at least the same weight. And that movie is heavy for me. I love the movie and I watch the movie a lot, but seeing what they had to go through with her at the end of the movie, I'm like, I don't want that to be me. And so, so many things just kind of piled up and piled up and piled up. And that particular night, I couldn't ignore them anymore. I just, I couldn't ignore all those little thoughts going on in my head. And I was like, okay, it's time. It's absolutely time. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sometimes we wake up with this clarity that's like, where were you? Yeah. <laughs> Where did you come from? And that's yeah. fantastic. What was like, I mean, give us a glimpse into what that plan looked like for you. It was uh, eating every two to two and a half hours for me. Uh, the plan was every two and a half to three hours. But in the beginning, I treated it like a science experiment. I was like, what affects my body and how? And I found that if I waited three hours, I was getting too hungry. And so I wanted more food as opposed to every two to two and a half hours, which meant that the, the food satisfied me, the serving size satisfied me. So I ate every two to two and a half hours, paid attention to carbs versus protein, and ate a healthy dinner, which uh, she called a lean and green. So a lean protein with a green vegetable. And then exercised 40 minutes a day. And the fact that I think it was eating every two to two and a half hours was the main thing that did it because my metabolism is, is so out of sync with everything that that's what I need. And every time I go off of that, I gain, like there's, there is definitely, you know, backup saying, this is what my body needs. This is absolutely what my body needs. And there wasn't like a huge thing. She didn't say specifically eat this food. She just gave me that bare bones thing and said, here, <laughs> take it, run with it. And so I had to learn how to read labels. I had to learn how to tell the difference between, you know, what they say is healthy versus what actually is. And so it was a learning process and figuring out what did affect my body. And carbs and me do not get along at all. Like the kind of carbs that are in, you know, just white bread and things like that. Uh, certain carbs, of course, you know, there are good carbs and vegetables. you do need carbs. Yes. People think that there are not carbs and, and vegetables, but those are also carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. uh, vegetables, fruits, things like that. It's like the, there are good carbs and your body does need carbs, 
But if I would look at a piece of bread, you know, it's like I gained five pounds kind of thing. It's like my body does not like that at all. Uh, so, you know, there well, are certain things. Yeah. It does In love it. Way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it loves it, but it doesn't need it. Let's just put it that way. It doesn't serve you well. No, not at all. Uh, so, you know, it's like you have to get used to a different lifestyle. And I had to change the way I thought about food. I had to change the way I thought about eating habits, about exercise, about myself, about everything. And, you know, the weight just started coming off. I had been teaching psychology, I guess, for three years up to that point. And I was surrounded by psychologists and caring professionals, which gave me a huge support system. And that really, really helped because once they found out what I was doing, I didn't tell them at first because I wanted to see if it took. And once I started seeing the weight loss and once people started saying, hey, you know, what are you doing? It looks like you're losing weight. I started sharing and I started sharing what I was doing. And when I started doing that, I got a lot of support. And they would come around with donuts and they were like, nope, I'm skipping you. <laughs> and so they, they would understand that this is not what I want and I'm going to say no. And so they would just move on. And so they tried to, to support me in that and help me with that as opposed to, because, you know, a lot of times when you go on these diet things, they're like, oh, you can have one. You can do this. You know, you can like loosen up a little bit. And I know a lot of times when I share my story, people will say, I don't like telling people no. I'm like, you have to. It's like, you come first in this scenario. This is your health journey. You are important too. Their feelings, you're going to have to get over hurting those because if they support you, they're not going to be hurt by it. And if they are hurt by it, they're not supporting you. So you're going to have to, to put yourself first. Say no. If you don't want to do it, say no to it. For me, in my journey, macro counting was like the only way that I could do it. And I got super obsessed with it. Did you find yourself getting into like an obsessive component to this? Or was it, it, it was more, you kept a realistic eye on it? Because I can see how if you get to this, this quote unquote drastic space, and then you start to see things work, I see, I guess you said there was no disordered eating, but I see someone could get into a disordered eating pattern. Did you have any of that? Thankfully, I didn't. I kept a really, uh, a kind of a realistic eye on it. I had my days off. When I first started, I had kind of my safety net day off. And that was more for a psychological thing because I knew that I, I kind of had to go pretty much full force into it. I'm not one of those people that could kind of snowball where you can make a small change here and a small change there and just let it add up. I had to go into it all the way. But I had that that one day where I was like, okay, I can't have this today, but I can have it on Saturday. And when Saturday came, I forgot what I wanted you know, most of the time. So I knew it was more of a psych out than anything because I know how I work. I know my mind and I know how I work. When it got so far into it and I started seeing the results, I didn't really want that day off anymore. But I was still having little things like I would have a little chocolate square or something like that to, to kind of satisfy because sweets are kind of my downfall. And so I would have something to do to kind of satisfy that. But I would also, if it was a holiday season or something like that, I would, I would take some time off. And so I didn't get so obsessed with it that I, it was a detriment to me, that it was a detriment to my mindset. And I was also wanting to make sure that I didn't lose too much because people can do that too, especially if you start off at something like 376. It's easy to go too far in the other direction. And I've never seen myself small. I had never been without the weight. So I didn't know how much I really wanted to lose at the time. My first goal was 206 pounds. And when I got there, I was like, no, I think I can lose a little bit more. And I lost it. And at the time, I, I liked the way I looked. And then I gained a little bit back because life, circumstances, you know, your journey is not A to B. It's like A and all over the place before you get to the, to the end of it. And so I gained a little bit back and I was like, you know what? I feel more comfortable with this. And because I never really set out to be like supermodel skinny or anything like that. It's like, I just wanted to be comfortable in my own skin. And so when I gained a little bit of weight back, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I like this better. I like this a little bit better. And so I ended up, you know, adjusting my goal. And so it was, you know, I never got to the fact where 
like I was depriving myself of too much. I never got to where I was going too far with it. And so I, I definitely credit my internal stabilization for that, my, my internal psychology for that, and knowing myself very, very well. Thankfully, I didn't, I didn't go too far with it. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I think it comes down to what you said earlier is like you were very confident in who you were. And I think that helps because with diet culture, we're going to call it that, I think that a lot of people are very convinced that, you know, I'm this amount, I need to get down to this amount. They don't know what that looks like. They don't know what that feels like. They just want to be quote unquote skinny. And it sounds like you just wanted to find a space where you felt like everything just felt right for you. Yes. And it's like, I never, I mean, yes, I had a number in mind, but it was always more of a, let's see what it looks like when I get there kind of thing, or let's see what it feels like when I get there. And so it's like, I had the number just mainly because I work better with some kind of goal. And uh, so that was there, but it was always a soft goal. And it was never one of those things. It's like, I need to lose this amount in this amount of time. It was always, it, it'll take however long it takes. And as long as I'm healthy and as long as I can feel, you know, the, the benefits of what I'm doing, then I know the visuals will come later. So I, I think I went into it with more of a healthy mindset than some people do. And I think that that saved me a lot from, from a lot of the, the pitfalls. Well, and, and you did, you said it, you had to hit that wall. And I think by getting yourself to that end point, if you will, that like, okay, the nothing else I should, I should be doing nothing else to support the direction that I'm going. It's time to make a change. I think that's helpful too. And I think that's why it's been successful because I think there's a lot of people that aren't, haven't hit that wall and they try something works for a little bit, then they give up because it's not working as well as they wanted it to, or it's not fast enough. And this has to be, I mean, you're a testament to this because what this started 2009, right? And you said over 22 months, you lost a, a, a significant amount of weight. You found a comfort spot for you, what feels good for you. But this is a, a lifelong journey. This is not like, okay, now I can go back to the way I was before. Yeah, this is a life change. And it, it's funny because I, you know, I go on a lot of weight loss pages and, and, you know, health journey pages and things like that on social media. And one of the pages that I was on asked for stories. So of course I gave my story and the way that I start my story is usually the same of, I have struggled with weight since I was five. And this well-meaning reply, like he replied, it was very well-meaning. I know it was, but he was like, okay, you haven't struggled with your weight or you're not still struggling with your weight. You struggled it past tense. Don't let this define you. Shouldn't you change how you start your story? I was like, look, I know you mean well. I, I really do thank you for your, your comments. But first, this is not one battle that I've won and it's end of story. This is a war that's going on in my entire life. And I've won battles. I've lost some battles, but I've won some battles. And this is a war I plan on winning because I want to increase the chances of me having a good quality of life for as long as I possibly can. This will go on. My body is still struggling to get back to where it was at least over 200 pounds, because what people don't realize is once you lose the weight, and especially if you're as overweight as I was for as long as I was, you have to eat less to maintain than somebody who was your size their entire life. This is going to be a struggle for me for my entire life. I signed on for that when I hit my wall. I signed on for it. So I'm going to struggle. This is part of it. This is part of who I am. It's not all of who I am. My weight struggles do not define me, but it is a significant portion of who I am now and how I got to be the way I am. And so it's always going to be a part of me, but it doesn't define me. And so it's, it's hard for people to, who's never struggled with it to understand that. I think that there are a lot of people in which their weight gain journey was triggered by a trauma of some sort. We see it on TV. We see it in magazines, the story of, 
your mind has to, or like you have to process a lot of the things in your mind first in order for all these changes to really make an impact on your actual body. Right. And, and so I think your story in its sense is a little bit unique in that, in that you knew who you were, you were confident in who you were, you experienced all these things. Sure. You internalized a lot of it, you know, throughout those years, but at the end of the day, this journey is different for you because it you're not fixing those things. You're just finding the right way to do the things for your body and not like all the other mental stuff that other people have to deal with first. And then they can maybe follow a similar process and, and be able to keep it off. Yeah. And that's, you know, when people come to me, because obviously, you know, when they know my story, they come to me for advice. And I was like, at first you have to figure out what's driving the weight gain. And if it's something psychological, you're going to have to deal with that first because anything else that you do is just going to be a Band-Aid. And it's like, yes, you may lose the weight, but that's going to show up in another place. It's like whatever that eating was doing for you is going to show up someplace else unless you deal with the psychological issues first. And I, you know, tell them flat, I was like, you know, thankfully I didn't have that to deal with, which is why I would, I think I was able to have, you know, part of the success that I did and as quickly as I did because it was just a matter of figuring out what worked for my body. Because you had tried before mm -hmm. in your own way, right? Right. And so I knew I could stick with something. I mean, I knew it wasn't a, a self-control issue. It was more of a, I just don't know how to do this kind of thing. And so once I found the plan that worked for me, it worked. But you know, people who are struggling with psychological issues and that's what's driving the weight gain have a tougher time because they have to deal with whatever it is that's driving it first. And if it is trauma, if it is, you know, something else that happened, they're going to have to make their peace with that first. Not that I would discourage getting healthy by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> if you want to try that at the same time, go for it. But just understand that if you don't deal with that trauma, it is going to show up someplace else, whether that's, you know, different habits and it, probably bad habits that's going to come up. It's almost like playing whack-a-mole with you know, with whatever it is that you're doing. So deal with that first and then, you know, deal with the, the weight because chances are once you deal with that trauma, the weight loss is going to happen. <laughs> chances are anyway, because then you'll want to adapt a better diet. You'll want to, you'll feel worthy, even though of course you are now, but you have to feel that to adopt those, those good eating habits and things like that. Well, and I think it needs to be a whole body transformation, right? We can't just focus on the physical and not address the mental. And also, and maybe you experience this and maybe not because of your different circumstances, but I think while you're on that journey, some people have to rediscover who they are without that weight because their whole life they've defined themselves or other people have defined themselves as that particular person. Just even to your point of watching those TV shows, and seeing this representation of, of these people on the TV show, how do you dissociate yourself from that? Or how is, was that something that you had to deal with? Like, this is a new, a newer version of you, or was it just like, it's like a new set of clothes kind of thing? It was interesting because I think it was more physical than mental because there were times when I would look in the mirror and not recognize the person staring back at me. And I would go to do something that I couldn't do at 376 and hesitate. And then I would have to think, wait, I can do that now. I can do that. I had to like crawl under my desk at one point to, to plug in the phone. And I was like in my head thinking, I'm never going to get out from under there. How am I going to do that? And I was like, wait, <laughs> I can do that now and not have to worry about uh, getting stuck or, you know, whatever would happen. And I think, so it was more of a, understanding who I was physically more than mentally, because I don't think, of course, you know, we always have a little blind spots when it comes to ourselves, but I don't think I changed overly much. I did get more confidence. It gave me confidence to go for my master's degree and things like that, because like I lost 200 pounds, I can do a master's degree. And so it gave me, gave me confidence in a lot of other areas, but I don't think my base personality changed much. I am who I am. And I've kind of always been this way, but physically, it's still kind of, even though I've been at this and I hit my goal, so to speak, in um, 2011, 
I still sometimes look in the mirror and not recognize that person. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, it's just different. And so it, it still kind of blows my mind sometimes when I see myself in pictures because I'm expecting to see 376 pounds and I don't. And it, it almost makes me feel a little narcissistic sometimes when I'm posting pictures and things like that. But it's, it's more of kind of coming from a place where I am proud of what I've done and I'm proud of who I am. So it's not that I think I'm this beauty queen or anything like that. It's just, I'm proud of this accomplishment. I'm proud of who I am, which is something that I couldn't say before this journey started. I wish I could have. I wish at that time I could have said, I love myself, but I couldn't. And so, I mean, I'm st I still struggle with self-esteem issues. I still struggle with that because that doesn't go away with the weight, but I'm getting better. And it's, it's easier for me to say, I like me physically, because again, you know, internally, I've always liked who I am, even though I'm a work in progress. It's getting so where I can actually say, I like, I like me, I love me. And it's a big thing. Do you think there was a reason why you didn't seek professional help earlier in your journey? You know, because like at that point you were like, I need someone's help to do this. Was there a reason? It was uh, shame. I was ashamed of how far I let myself go. And even though, you know, I didn't fit those stereotypes, even though I wasn't standing there shoving food in my face, it just felt like that's the way I was going to be judged. So I let that shame, that internal shame that I'd internalized for years stop me from seeking help. I take that on myself. That was, that was me being irrational or just being a human. Yeah. Being human. Yes. And cause I know a lot of people suffer with the same thing. It's like, they, they're afraid that they're going to be judged. I've heard people say, I don't want to go to the doctor right now because I'm afraid that, you know, I've gained so many pounds or whatever. And I'm afraid that I'm going to get judged because of it. And so I know I'm not alone in that thinking. And so I think that was what held me back was shame and saying that I got myself here. Why can't I get myself out? Well, I think we're, we're kind of conditioned to think that we should be able to do everything ourselves. And, you know, we're in a collective society and there are, we may know some things, but we don't know everything. And, you know, people have studied and, and whatnot. Would you say that that was the real, like the real change for you was that you were willing to accept help from someone because you couldn't do it all yourself. You did a, the hard work yourself, right? But you still needed some guidance of some sort. Do you think that was a big part of your, yes. your change? Yeah, it was a huge part, just being able to have the courage to reach out for help. And that I had to get it straight in my head that I didn't have all the answers and that repeating the same behaviors over and over again, expecting different result, results is the definition of insanity. And so I kept, and I kept doing that. I would do that for months at a time, you know, go back to my old eating habits and then try again. It's like, oh, maybe I missed something. Maybe I did something wrong last time. Maybe if I try it this way. And of course it would never work because I wasn't eating for my body type. I was doing three meals a day when I needed to do six. And and I had heard that before somewhere I'd heard, you know, the every two to two and a half hours or whatever. And before I hit my wall, it was like, well, I can't do that. I can't eat every two to it's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of setting alarms and, and things like that. I would, my mom was very supportive in, in my journey. And in fact, she started mirroring some of the things that I did and lost weight herself actually. And it was funny though, because we would be out someplace and we'd be in a store or something like that. And it would be my time to eat. And I'd pull out my snack. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like, this is what I'm doing. As if she would laugh, but, it, you know, in a good way. She's like, you're just, you're going to do what works. I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> so I don't care where I am. Yeah. Here's my three rolls of turkey and a mm -hmm. piece of cheese. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been there. If you could go back to Laura in that amusement park that day. With, with what you know now and this journey that you're on now, is there anything that you could say to her that maybe might make an impact? I would say just hang in there. You're going to get it. 
you can't really force somebody who's not ready to go on that journey because then it won't work and then they'll get discouraged and they won't, you know, it sometimes keeps them from trying again. So I would just tell her, hang in there. You got this. Find a way to love yourself as you are. The rest is going to come. And I think that just loving myself is a huge thing. And being able to say that is something I wish I could have done a long time ago. And it would have made the journey easier because then it would have meant that I wouldn't have let all of that external stuff in and all of the comments and all of the media, I could have ignored that because a lot of times I think people go too far in the body positivity thinking that if you're okay with who you are, if you love who you are, you don't want to change. And that's not how it is. If you love who you are, you're going to want the best for yourself. And that means when you're ready, you're going to want to get healthy and whatever healthy looks like for you. And so I think just being able to say, I love myself and believe it, that's the best advice I could have given myself when I was younger, because it would have, I think it would have gotten me through to the point to where I was ready to, to go on that journey. It sounds like you might subscribe to kind of what I believe is that I had to go through all of these things to get me to this version of me right now. And had you done this a little bit sooner, maybe you wouldn't be who you are right now. Or, you know, you have to, all these little pieces, like you said, you it took you adding all these things to hit that wall. So would you subscribe to the fact that like you're exactly where you are because of all the things that you've done and, and the good things are a product of some of the not so great things that have happened. Oh yeah. I have no regrets. I, you know, there's a lot of times people say, well, what would you do differently? I'm like, I wouldn't have done anything differently. This is who I am because of everything else. And yeah, everything that I went through, everything that, that happened shaped who I am and I love who I am and I would not change that for the world. I mean, do I wish I still had my dad here? Do I wish I still had my brother here? Absolutely. But the way they impacted my life before and after, it's made me who I am. My weight struggles have made me who I am. And although I am still a work in progress, I'm still happy with who I am and who I turned out to be. So I would not change a thing. Absolutely not. I love that. I, I think that's important for people to understand is that, you know, it's, we're doing the best that we can with what we know at the time. And, you know, we process that and we move forward and maybe we do better the next time. Maybe we don't. And then we learn from that and continue to grow. And I think a lot of people listening to this will be inspired by your story of just how you approach life now and how that alignment of your confidence on both the inside and the outside and how everything is kind of just manifesting for you now in this this new version of you that's still kind of the same, right? It's just you look a little different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the outside. And it's like I like I said, I don't you know, of course there's probably changes that I don't see because we have those blind spots, but I don't feel different on the inside other than a little bit more confidence. I have confidence a little bit more in putting myself out there. I don't think I've changed overall in my core personality. And yeah, so it's it's an interesting change to go through when you're kind of the same on the inside, but you see that outside changing and, and growing and and uh, becoming who, I think I became more of who I am on the, the outside than I am on the inside. Kind of my, my outsides are now matching my insides. This is who I am. And uh, so I, yeah, I, I love the journey. And that's another thing that I tell people. It's like, enjoy the journey. Whatever journey you're on, enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we that's don't we get. Yeah. We don't have tomorrow promised to us. We only have today. So enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what we'll do is we will uh, share some of the links to the things that you're, you're doing with your fitness journey and the thing and the ways that you're helping people. And if someone listening wants to get in touch with you, we'll provide them those links in the show notes and uh, make some connections there. And uh, thank you just for, for being willing to just share your story and, and be a part of the Life Shift podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love sharing my story anywhere I can in case it does help. <laughs> like anywhere I it can. Will. <laughs> There's, you know, and and what I found too is that someone listening might not be going through a weight 
struggle, but something that you said in this conversation, something about your story will resonate with them. And that's, that's why we do it. That's why we be vulnerable. That's why we share our stories. That's, that's, or at least that's why I am an open book and, and try to just do the thing. And I think you're the same way. So thank you for being a part of this. And we'll share all that information with the listeners so that they can connect with you and learn from you and be a part of your journey. And if you are listening to the podcast and you like what you hear, obviously a five-star rating would be lovely. A review is lovely. And with that, I will say goodbye until next week for a brand new episode of the LifeShift Podcast. For more information, please visit www.thelifeshiftpodcast.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.